Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, look who meandered, I love that word, meandered, <laughs> into the studio. Hello, Mr. Meanderer. <laughs> good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. Dr. History. It's a good day, sun shining, yeah. You know what? Really, even if it's supposed to get back up into the 90s or so tomorrow, there is a real strong hint of fall. You know, you get out there about 8 or 9 o'clock at oh, night, yeah. you can start to feel it a little. Oh, yeah. And then football season. Of course, so. for those of us that get up early in the morning, some like you don't, <laughs> you'll really notice it. That's right. That's right. What are we going to talk about We today? are going to talk about a tunnel of gold. Oh, really? A lost treasure and the story behind this whole thing. And so we'll start off. 1849. Oh, that was the year that you graduated from high school. It's very important to you. Uh, Several years before you, or after you. (laughs) (laughs) Summer of 1849. So here we have a guy by the name of Buck Rogers. Okay. Really? Well, parentheses parentheses around Buck. He was called Buck Rogers. Okay. So he arrived in Denver, Colorado with 30 men from Illinois. They were headed for the California Goldfields. Well, somewhere between 100 and 150 miles west of what they call the Cherry Creek Diggings, they camped overnight on a small stream, and some of them, uh, as they always did, they went and panned for gold uh, while they were waiting for supper. They found gold, and Rogers and five of the party decided to stay on the creek. The rest of them continued on to California. Now, the source of the gold was traced to a gulch where a thin vein in a ledge yielded nuggets from a form uh, from this conglomerate, kind of a mud rock conglomerate, but they had nuggets. So the men tunneled under a mountain slope. They followed the pay vein, which uh, widened for the next 100 feet. So now you've got a 100-foot-long tunnel, all right? It then kind of flowered out, what they said, flowered out abruptly, so they... They started going in a little different direction, and here they found what they described as, quote, the richest kind of ore. And as it was later described by Rogers, he said as fast as the gold was recovered, it was stored in the main tunnel. They didn't even have time to take it out. They were just piling it up in the tunnel. It was that much of it? Yeah. So by the time the first snowflakes of winter fell, the men had accumulated between 250,000 and 400,000 in gold. Dollars worth. Yeah. What would that be today? I'm thinking 10 times at least. Oh, uh, Don't you think? Probably what, four or five million? At least. So Rogers, and that's what he estimated, around 400,000. But so, of course, this meant a pretty good fortune for each of them, but they were hungry for even more. So they... uh, found that their supplies were getting low, they were living on unsalted uh, wild meat, and no one wanted to leave. Well, it was decided to send Rogers out to the nearest place where they could get some food and supplies. 
So uh, he took about $500 worth of nuggets. He set forth riding a mule and taking two others to pack in the supplies. Well, after about a day's travel, a huge snowstorm blew in out of the Rockies, which Uh-oh. it will do. And it was uh, a howling blizzard. It held him up for six days. His jerky ran out. And as soon as possible, he started heading out again. And he reached a camp another camp, and this time another storm came in another two weeks before he could even move. So he finally made it into town, all right? So now we're about three weeks out, and these other guys are still back in that tunnel without, you know, much to eat. So anyway... uh, And then the phone rang. And then the phone (laughs) rang. (laughs) So instead of immediately buying supplies, Roger began, began drinking and gambling, and pretty soon he was broke. He had to sell two of the pack mules because by this time he was generally figured uh, just a camp bum. So he kind of got waylaid a little there, you know, distracted. So when the early days of spring warmed up, the land, Roger sobered up enough to realize. Oh, no, wait a minute. He didn't go back no, at all? No, until spring. Oh. So gosh. he realized how bad of a deal this was to, you know, breach the trust of his five companions back there. So as soon as he could get together a small amount of grub, he started back. And after five days on the trail, Rogers arrived at the mine, which had been dug back into a mountain. And it was referred to as Slate Mountain. And that this so is he Colorado. made it back there. Yeah, he got he got back. He there. figured out how to get there. Right, but on reaching the creek and riding up to where he and his companions had panned the first gold, he found, to his astonishment, a terrific uh, avalanche of snow and ice had come down the mountainside. Uh-oh. Brings rocks, trees, you know, ice, snow, uh, and it sheared off timber and trees, and it spilled across this stream. Well, the stream backed up and eventually cut through, but. The tunnel was covered. The, the mine shaft. The mine, yeah. So the gulch in which the tunnel had been bored was completely filled, and half the mountain seemed to cover it, and only a kind of a rounded dome remained of the part that he wanted to get to. Well, this great slide had exposed deep beds of this dark slate. Well, he was terrified. He thought, you know, he was filled with remorse. He hurried to the nearest mining camp, and miners are pretty good about helping out. They're kind of a clannish uh, bunch, and when they heard, uh, more than 20 men pooled their resources, and they returned with him to the scene of the avalanche. Yeah, but this could have been this three months, isn't it? Right, yeah. Holy so, smokes. Who knows? But, well, so for nearly a month, the, these 20 guys, the volunteers the, to rescue, they cut down shafts where Roger's estimated the camp and the mine tunnel should be. Oh, he it, didn't know for sure no, where the shaft was? No, he was kind of guessing, okay? Oh. So wow. after repeated failures, the miners told Rogers, he said, there's no use trying any longer. Uh, the deeper the shafts go down, the greater the risk of cave-in, and only two men were able to work uh, in them at a time, and if a sudden avalanche came again, they'd be lost too. So they realized there was danger in trying to get down to these miners, and They've got to know they're probably not, have not survived anyway. Three months, I mean, for heaven's sakes. So anyway, the newspaper, the Denver Republican, uh, in recounting the history of the case in 1892, reported that five men, Roger's companions, had to be left in their, what they call, rock-bound crypt and rest there today. But anyway, Roger's uh, appears to have been 
kind of overcome with guilt, and he became kind of kind of a recluse. Uh, he didn't want anybody talking to him. You know, if he had to feel bad about this. And several times he tried prospecting but failed. His last days were spent drifting from one mining camp to another. In 1881, he got struck down by a fatal illness. He was taken in by a lady by the name of Ossie Jones in Denver. Now, knowing that he was dying, Rogers gave her a small pocket notebook in which was a map to the avalanche-covered mine. Now, wait a minute. How many people knew about this mine? Well, by now, there was a lot of people. I was going to say the yeah. miners that helped and everything. Right. Okay. So they, they, it was well known. But he had this map in this notebook. So just what she did with the book has been kind of in a kind of dispute all these years. But anyway, the next man who became interested in Slate Mountain's gold tunnel was a guy by the name of Arthur H. Fulford. And he owned a ranch and had a stage station. Okay, so for two or three years, he was also a town marshal. So now, like I say, we started in, uh, what did I say, 1859. Now it's 1886. Okay, so one summer day in 1886, two men arrived by stagecoach. They made a deal with Fulford to rent riding stock. They took off packing supplies up into this area. Several days later, they returned, got on the stagecoach, and left. Didn't tell anybody anything. The next year, the same two men came back, 1887. They did the same thing. They rented horses and mules. They left, headed into that same area, came back, got on the stage, left. And finally, the third time, they did the same thing. This time, they never came back. So, did they get some gold? We don't know. So, now we're in 1891. So, this Fulford guy. 1891. Yeah, so. Okay, we started in 1849. Yeah. 49, yeah, 1849. Okay. So, anyway, uh, so 1891, Fulford met a prospector at a place called Redcliffe who said that he had a map and explicit directions to a lost avalanche-covered mine of fabulous value. He declared he owned the notebook given by Ossie Jones, who was the one that took care of the dying Buck Buck Rogers. Rogers. Yes. Yeah. So it had come into his possession in 1887, according to his story, and he searched diligently and eventually located the right mountain, and into the bare rock of the avalanche slide, he put down the shaft directly into the old tunnel made by Rogers' men. So Buck Rogers was pretty much spot on. Yeah, yeah. So in it, he found rusted iron tools, several skeletons. Oh, And in the tunnel, he came onto a pile of gold nuggets. Oh. The dust, gold dust, was in these deerskin bags. This prospector worked his way down through a space that was really small. He had to crawl, just really... Just big enough for a man. Could you do that? Oh, boy. I, I I'm claustrophobic. I, I, I couldn't do it. I don't think I could. Nope. There'd be a big hole oh. in the mountain. <laughs> yeah. But he was, because it was so small, uh, he couldn't bring much out. So he needed help to get widen up this tunnel. So when the old prospector showed Fulford uh, this, these nuggets, he agreed to help him, and they secured two other men to go with him. And then came a little bit of a delay. Okay, the old prospector had plenty of gold that he'd brought out with him the first time, and he kept exchanging that at the saloons for money and no hurry at all to leave. And time after time, he kept putting off 
Fulford. He said, for a few days, uh, you know, well, he's got money. He doesn't, not in a big hurry. Well, one night, as a bystander in the saloon fight, the old man was shot and killed. Now, this is the guy that was the miner. He's the one that found the shaft. Oh, we got trouble. The he got he, the shaft. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead. All right. So, Fulford, the same guy, uh, he was a marshal. He went to the shack where the prospector had lived, and he found the notebook. Okay, he's map. got the... Whew, I'm getting tired. Okay, so Fulford <laughs> now has the book. <laughs> okay. So... The matter was discussed with the mine operator, and they agreed to finance the attempt to find the tunnel in Slate Mountain. Okay. Now, so outfitting in September, Fulford went up Brush Creek without waiting for the others to join him, and it was later believed that he found the tunnel, uh, which by then was termed Rogers Lost Mine. Okay. Another prospecting party reported having visited Fulford in a gulch off the creek. He showed them a sack of gold nuggets, estimated to weigh about 30 pounds. Now, now that's not real smart. 30 pounds of gold. That's a lot of gold. And he's gold. by himself. Okay, so here we go again. Oh, uh, boy. Terrific snowstorms. A uh, blizzard came down. Fulford's body was found frozen solid in a snowbank on a slope on the mountain. And uh, so now he's dead. Now, among his effects were more than 30 pounds of this gold. So his wife. He had on him at the time. Yeah, when he froze to death. So his wife, Mrs. Fulford, received the nuggets along with the news of her husband's death on New Year's Eve. And friends of the deceased actually went up to try to find his body, and they couldn't find his body. So evidently the first people found his body, left it there, took the gold, uh, and when they went back to try to find the body, they couldn't find him. Okay? It it gets better, Zeb. Oh, it can't. (laughs) Here we go. Okay, 1890, uh, an Irish prospector had reached Denver with a lot of coarse gold. The gold came from Slate Mountain. The unnamed Irishman had gone there with a partner looking for the tunnel. So... uh, not only did they find it, but they dug down to the gold. The Irishman said he brought out a mere small amount compared to the pile they found deep under the slide that still held the skeletons of the five Rogers five buddies. But after taking out what they did, the two men got into an argument as to how to share their find. I get a feeling this is not going <laughs> to bode well for somebody. The argument ended in the Irishman shooting and killing his partner. Oh, boy. Okay, so now, enter a bartender. Oh, now we're going to go get Sam the bartender. Bartender agreed for a small percentage to help the help the Irishman. Okay, now, can I stop you for a minute? Okay. My head's spinning. Okay. We've gone from the original Buck Rogers... All the way up now to Sam the bartender. And the Irishman. And the Irishman. Yes. So, over drinks, the Irishman gave a complete description of how to reach the Slate Mountain Tunnel. Okay. There was, he swore, as his drinking got a little more uh, enthusiastic, at least a million dollars in gold piled in the tunnel. So, near dawn, the Irishman walked out of the saloon and dropped dead. I knew it. I, it was too good to last. Too much alcohol. Yeah, too much. Okay, he's dead. Okay, now we still got the bartender. Right. Oh, yeah, Sam. Okay, so uh, abandoning his job, the bartender outfitted, set forth to recover the treasure, but luck was not with him either. Oh, my goodness. He got as far as a place called Eagle when he suddenly got too sick to keep going. The attending doctor 
enter another guy, James Hermans, gave the guy the bad news. The doctor cared for him for a month before the bartender cashed in his chips. Now we have Dr. Hermans was given the paper on which the Slate Mountain was mapped and directions written for reaching the Okay, shack. so now the doctor has the map. Right. Okay. Now we're down to what about the What about guy? the gold? Was that all taken care of? Or uh, the, the... Don't know what happened to that. He probably okay. spent it all. So, okay. Okay. Now, losing a little time outfitting, this Dr. Hermans took a packer and proceeded up this brush creek. He found everything mentioned in the description except the shaft penetrating the avalanche slide. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, he was disappointed, but he was convinced of the existence of the Rogers Tunnel. And Hermans told the people to a bunch of people. He showed the map and the written directions, and a lot of prospectors entered that region looking for the tunnel. And they found other gold, but they never found this one. Okay, here we go. Another guy. <laughs> We're getting. To, I think this is the last one. You've wiped out the whole city already. <laughs> one of the prospect, prospectors uh, who staked claims in the region was a guy named Alfred Ellington. Remember that. Alfred L. Ellington. Right. Okay, here we are. Summer of 1902, Ellington was wandering through the mountains. He almost stepped into a 10-foot hole. It was barely large enough for a man to work his body downward. So he started going down into this hole. He started going down into a hole? hole. All by himself? Yeah. Now, keep in mind, there's rocks, sharp rocks, stuff. So he starts down, aware that, you know, straight down. He's thinking, okay, I could slip and die, and he did. Snake. He, sli- he, didn't he slipped. No, no, he didn't die. He didn't die. But he did slip. Why not? Everybody and else he, has. He fell 30 feet. He was shaken up, kind of bloodied up a little, bruised. But he discovered he had fallen into a tunnel. The tunnel was about four feet wide, and feeling along one wall, he started moving deeper. Almost immediately, his legs encountered an obstruction. He struck a match and easily recognized this pile of gold, a huge fortune he dug out, uh, you know, had been dug out by these dead men and piled there, uh, lay right there at his feet. So the story of the Rogers Party find was, it was true. This was not just a, a hoax, okay? So he filled his pockets and canvas pack sack with nuggets. The pack held 20 pounds, so now he's got 20 pounds of gold, which that's got to be a lot of money. Now the problem was how he's going to get out. That was my first thought. That is the next question. How? He went into a dark hole not knowing how to get out of there? Yeah, and fell. This guy wasn't the brightest bulb okay. in the fixture. Now, so picture this. He's bloodied up. He's bruised. He's dripping blood off his head. So, But he used the power of his arms. He finally worked his way up and out of that 30-foot hole. Bruised and shaken, Ellington hobbled his way from the mountainside to camp. Some of the gold had been lost, but he still had 25 pounds of gold. Holy okay. smokes. The following day, uh, he went back to the mountain over the route he used before. He could not estimate with any degree of accuracy just where he had found it. And for that matter, he had no intention of again risking his life in the shaft, even if he could be found. He felt certain anyway that it had been completely filled by this time. So he thought maybe it just... It's about time for him to die, too, isn't uh, it? No, this ends good. <laughs> he had had enough of prospecting. He went on into the San Juan River Valley and bought a farm, and his days in the high mountains came to an end, lived out his life. Well, 25 pounds of gold, you can buy a pretty good ranch, cows. 
So it's still there, Zeb. So it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. In Colorado, somewhere. Some old cow is grazing those hills, and she's going to fall into a hole. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you, know, you know, how many people croaked from the time we started in 1849? You know, I, I should have kept track. I, I think we were up to about six or seven. Holy moly. So, in other words, that gold mine was jinxed. And it's still there. It's still waiting. there. Somebody will... Someday. You know, if they get another, like another avalanche or snow or who knows... So I, I think, really, I think somebody will find it someday. I've got uh, Friday off this week. You want to take off and go over I and see if we can find it? it's going to take more than a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that was really an intriguing story, but it was kind of littered with all the bodies. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, we're both alive and unwell here in Idaho. Let's just, let's just stay oh, here. I'm tired from trying to follow this. I know. You ever have those stories like this one where you got to keep really alert as to who's yeah, done okay. what? Yes, and some of our listeners might have to listen to this two or three times to follow. Yeah. So, anyway. Oh, my goodness. You did it again. Ladies and gentlemen, the great one, Dr. History. Thank, that was a good story this Thanks, morning. Thanks, Zeb. I, I enjoyed Can we that. have an easier one next week? <laughs> Less intense? Yes. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.